definitely I recommend for peers to teach kids healthy lifestyle habits at home and then bring them to the doctor to help reinforce that in addition to getting their immunizations and all that stuff. But I think it's important to teach those things at home to say, hey, we usually go to the doctor because of this or role playing. That's what I do with my kids. I have them act like the doctor. So they feel more comfortable and knowing that doctors are here to help. Mama! Let's reimagine mom life together. Mama Has Goals is your hub for relatable support and helpful resources that help you fuel yourself alongside motherhood. Your identity is bigger than mom. And whatever your goals are, together, we're making them a reality. The older I get, the more I realize that there are things in life that we need to really function that no one ever taught us how to deal with or handle or step into or do. And one of those things is the care providers that you need in your life, whether it's a pediatrician, a dentist, a family physician, or your OB. No one teaches you unless you just had parents that walked you through that. No one teaches you what doctors you need, when you need them, why you need them, and how to find them. And so I love talking about breaking down what the different needs are for health and how you find the resource that's right for you because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And our guest today is Dr. Gabrielle Williams, and she is a family medicine physician of over six years. She loves to help others achieve an amazing quality of life through education and advocacy. She's actually opening her own primary care practice in September called Gateway Directed Health in Atlanta, Georgia. And she will be a direct primary care center that will focus on relationship-based care, not just what you get provided through your insurance. Gabrielle is also a mother of two, wife of 10 years, and a lover of God, and then food. I loved our conversation because we really break down primary care and why Gabrielle thinks it should be a little bit different. What does it mean to have a more relationship-based structure with your physician and how to care for yourself, not as just a healthcare worker, but also a mom and everything else how she raises her kids alongside her dreams, how she went to medical school right during having a newborn and everything else. This is such a good conversation. Definitely dive in and learn a little bit more about what might be right for you and your family medical needs and also how you can achieve your dreams, including medical school as a mom. Gabrielle, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Families always have so many questions about the health of their kids, right, and their family because it is so important to care for ourselves and make sure that we have the right guidance from a physician telling us the right things. So before we jump into some of the questions that the community has and your expertise, I want to know, how did you get started in family medicine and what brought you up to where you're at today? Sure. So I chose family medicine as my specialty during medical school because I uh, like having knowledge about a lot of things, even if it's not great depth like a specialist, but I always have knowledge and able to initiate the workup or evaluation for that patient. And I chosen to go into medical school in high school. I was like, I wanted to be a therapist because I do enjoy talking with people and helping them. And I also wanted to be an accountant because I love math. And I was like, how do these two things meet up somewhere? And I found that medicine allows me to use my analytical skills in order to help people, like uh, a gift of mine in order to be able to help other people. So that's why I chose to be a doctor. Absolutely love that. 
And did you have other doctors that you knew in your life or what really brought you to seeing, okay, this is an option for me and this is a path I can take? I actually don't have any examples of doctors in the family. I was actually the first one to graduate college in my family, which I'm really grateful for. Uh, But to be honest, really is watching House. (laughs) So watching the medical school show, I was like, I want to do that. And so that's the exposure, the initial exposure. And then Later on, I shadowed different doctors in order to know what it really was like, like what's on TV. Yeah. And what a positive of screen time, right? Such a conversation lately, but another just real life example of exposure via TV can end up being the first graduate of your family and in turn a doctor. What are some of the kind of myths or misconceptions about family medicine that you see from a parent's perspective? So when parents and family members come to you What are some of the things that you hear that you're like, oh, that's a misconception or a myth? A lot of things are, I don't need to see a doctor or if I'm healthy, I don't feel well, then I don't have to see a doctor. And that's a big myth because there are things that run in the family and things like blood pressure that are typically called the silent killers because you don't have symptoms until something really bad happens. And and if you're going to the doctor regularly to check your blood pressure, then you would know, hey, I have high blood pressure or it's at the lower stage and I can go ahead and start a treatment plan in order to address it. So that's one of the big things for people like, I don't need the doctor if I don't have any symptoms. And I definitely want to challenge that and say, hey, we're not on- only here just to treat symptoms, but also for prevention. For And so we are looking at different things like breast cancer, like colon cancer to screen for those things. So patients can, if they want, if they don't have it, great. But two, if they do, Hopefully we catch it at an earlier stage and be able to treat it. Yeah. And so when you have a child, you know that you should go to the pediatrician and you have your pediatrician and then women have their OBGYN or their other specialty doctors. And then I feel like men more often go to a family medicine doctor because they don't really fit into one of those two buckets per se. How do you talk to women especially about the difference between a family doctor versus your OB and your pediatrician? Sure. So, yes, in family medicine, we are trained to help both kids and adults. And there are pediatricians specifically for kids and OBGYN specifically for women. However, OBGYNs focus more on the breast and genital parts, but not necessarily your blood pressure, your diabetes, because those are things that are associated with the top killers in the society, which are heart disease strokes. And so it is important to have both or your family medicine doctor can do a lot of things that your OB can, especially non-surgical things like dealing with menopause or doing your pap smear and things like that. So you might not need an OB unless, again, you need surgery or you're pregnant and you'll definitely want to see an OB. Amazing. So if someone's going to an OB and they are having an annual exam there, you would also advise for them to make an appointment with a family medicine doctor, is it once a year, to check out all those other things that maybe the OB isn't prioritizing because that's just not their primary role. Is that right? Correct. Yes, I definitely agree with seeing your doctor at least once a year. And other things come up like now we're in the season of allergies. So, you know, your OB might not be able to address that. And that would be perfect to see your primary care doctor. Okay. And so that makes sense from the women's standpoint. Like you should be in both of these places. Now, how about the kids? Do the kids go to both doctors? Do they switch from the pediatrician to the family or do they pick one or the other? 
So for pediatric patients, they pick between one. If they want to see their pediatrician or family doctor, pediatricians typically see their patients up until 18 versus family doctors are able to see them from birth all the way up until their 80s. It's up to the family (laughs) who they want to see. Amazing. What are some ways that families can incorporate healthy conversations about health from the beginning stages? So saying, hey, it's good to go to the doctor, talking to your kids. So many kids and adults can be scared of the doctor, whether it's from trauma or just stories or different things like that. How are some ways, being a mom yourself, you incorporate conversations just on the day-to-day about healthy lifestyle and loving doctors and caring for yourself and all of that? Definitely, I recommend for our peers to teach kids healthy lifestyle habits at home and then bring them to the doctor to help reinforce that, in addition to getting their immunizations and all that stuff. But I think it's important to teach those things at home to say, hey, we usually go to the doctor because of this or role playing. That's what I do with my kids. I have them act like the doctor. So they feel more comfortable and knowing that doctors are here to help. I love that. And you have this phrase that you say, I believe that primary care should be different or you think it should be a certain way. Let's unpack that a little bit. Tell me what you mean by that. Sure. So typically in the adult setting or even sometimes in pediatric setting, the patients usually see the doctor for about five to 10 minutes and might have to wait an hour or two before seeing their doctor. And then they have to wait a few months for follow-up or if they have let's say a UTI and after their appointment with the doctor and it takes weeks or even months to be able to go see that doctor and they may have to go to the emergency room or urgent care. And I find that that really is a strain on the relationship between the patient and the doctor. We really strongly believe that it should be therapeutic, that we should know each other well so that we can have this relationship and be able to dive more into help because it is hard to tell a stranger all your health issues. And so having a good relationship and good rapport with your doctor is important. And I think um, time is a big factor in making sure that those things happen. And so I believe that patients should have more time with their doctors, should have time to be able to see their doctor when they need to, don't have to wait one to two hours just for an appointment, because that is a big deterrent, because then you're saying, typically, shoot, I'll speak for myself. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to the doctor if it's going to take all day in order to see them for five minutes. And so I think primary care should be available to everyone, but in a way that is therapeutic, in a way that breeds good relationships so that it can hopefully lead to better health. Yeah, I love that so much because you're right. We're busy, especially the women listening to this podcast are really busy navigating things in their day to day, but also just the mental load. And so the idea of waiting two hours in a waiting room to go for five minutes to hear, hey, you're doing good is not a priority for a lot of people. But also, I know even just in my appointments with my OB for pregnancy, you go in and they'll say, how are you feeling? Do you have any questions? By the time that I leave the room, I'm like, oh, wait, I do have a question. (laughs) And you go back. So if you're building this relationship and you're there for a little bit longer, you're allowing the doctor to also mentally decompress with each patient and you as a patient also come in and say, okay, now I'm actually processing what some of my questions may be. Of course, it's great to come with a list or whatever else, but that's not always how it plays out. I think that's such a better approach to allow people to have that comfort, to be able to have that relationship with you. It feels like such a win-win. And to do that, not only in a place of 
needing a cure or in immediate response to a sickness or an issue that you're having, but really just nurturing this healthy relationship. I love that. Yes. So yeah, that's my goal. My goal is for everyone to experience that kind of relationship with their doctor with me, or hopefully other doctors will say, hey, maybe this isn't the best way. And I understand that we have lots of patients, we have lots of people to take care of. And sometimes we do have to increase quantity, but I think quality should not suffer because of that. So during the pandemic, there was definitely a huge uprise in appointments being seen virtually or patients being seen virtual appointments, right? And sometimes that's fine. Sometimes you can just have a conversation and that's really all you need. And especially if you can be face to face on a video call, then there's a huge benefit to that. But some things, obviously, the doctor needs to physically be there with you. What are some of your thoughts on that? Virtual appointments versus in-person? Sure. I think they're a great asset to the way that we do medicine now. I don't think it's a replacement because I think seeing the patient, touching the patient is very important. If you have belly pain, being able to feel where your pain is gives us guidance on what can be causing your pain. So I think I think virtual appointments, video versus telephone are helpful for follow-ups. Oh, I checked my blood pressure at home and I just need to tell the doctor really quick like what my blood pressure readings are and if we need to adjust medicines. But I think there is still a need for in-person visits for that physical physical exam and such. Yeah. Okay, shifting gears a little bit, becoming a doctor is no small feat, right? It's definitely a lot of schooling. It's a lot of work, a lot of studying, a lot of shadow work and working with other professionals. How have you balanced that career path as a mom? And where in your career path did your children come into play? Huh. Is there a such thing as balance? God help us. <laughs> but I had my, yeah, so my husband and I have been married for 10 years. And so we got married right before medical school and decided, hey, we want to have kids and we didn't want our school, my schooling to get in the way of that. So I had my first child at the end of fourth year of medical school, the last year. And then I had my second child in second year residency. So family medicine residency is usually a three-year program. And so that's when I had my second. So it was definitely challenging. I don't regret it at all because I'm glad I have my kids. I'm glad that I had them when I did and didn't have to wait for a perfect time. However, it was hard and what made it a little bit easier is having my family around. So we live near family, live near both of my parents, and they have been such a great help in taking care of the kids, especially when I had really late rotations and didn't get home until eight. My first child had to sleep over. Or when I had to work the weekends, my husband had to take care of the kids while I was at work on the weekends. Family has definitely made it much, that's not easier, but yeah, they've just made it such a more better process and more seamless process in having kids and raising them. Yeah. How do you manage mom guilt when it comes up? Because I'm sure in some of those moments you had, just like all of us do, I haven't met a mom yet that's never had one day of guilt in their life. So how did you manage those moments when you're like, gosh, I'm feeling a little guilty for being here and not there or vice versa? Yes, I had a lot of that with my first child because I was pursuing my passion and had to leave her. And I felt she loved her grandmother more than me because, of course, that's who she knew more, right? And so I felt guilty. I was like, oh, no, this is going to color the rest of our relationship. And mind you, she's only a few years old and I'm already thinking way far in the future about how this is going to affect her. 
And a lot of people were like, one, she may not remember, and two, just show up when you can. And so my ways of dealing with mom guilt is not allowing what I think is going to strain a relationship, not allowing that to stay in my head and in my heart because it will come out, right? I'm doing a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I keep thinking, oh, this is going to happen, we're, we're going to have a strained relationship, but instead thinking more positive and definitely praying for a great relationship with the kids. Yeah, that is so important because often we can create something by worrying about it and manifesting that fear or anxiety where if we just nurture the positive, then sure, we're aware. We're aware, yes, I need to make sure that I'm showing up in this other place, but I'm not building the fire of, oh, I'm not there. So now it's, I'm going to make it when we are together that much worse because I'm worrying about it. That is so important. What are some pieces of advice that you have for someone that maybe hasn't taken that leap yet or they're not even sure what's worth it to them? Because you knew, you were like, this is worth it to me to leave my kids because I know I want to do this. For the woman that hasn't made that step yet and they're like, I don't know if this is worth it. What advice would you give them? I think that's okay if you don't know if it's worth it because it's hard to count the cost, right? It's hard when I was like, oh no, I'm just going to have my kids and be a be a doctor and it's all fun and games but then you realize how much has been taken away from the kids so to speak and I think that's okay to not know what truly the cost is but just thinking of what is important to you and if you're willing to work on what's important to you then it will work out because you will prioritize where you need to prioritize and being intentional say all right I do want to become a doctor I do want to become the successful entrepreneur this does mean I will have to sacrifice time with the family, but know this for a short time. And speaking with the family and talking to the kids, talking to the husband, like, all right, this is the time that I need in order to, to, pers to pursue my dreams. And the hope is that eventually I won't have to work as hard so that I can spend more time. And to teach the kids, right, what that looks like too, because you know, they also need to know what does it look like to be an entrepreneur and be a mom and be successful. Yeah. Showing them that you can go after your dreams when you have lots of things standing in your way and making that easy too. And then the communication piece. I love that you brought that up. Communicating with the other people in your life for the support that you need because they don't know unless we tell them. I absolutely love that. Burnout is so common as a mom and as a healthcare professional, right? That's probably the two biggest buckets that people talk about burnout is healthcare and parenting. How are you managing both? What are some pieces of advice that you have? And if you're not finding like, this makes me better in the moment, what are some ways that just you stay aware of it? So you check in. Yes. Sure. Yes. Like I told you guys about having, I think primary care should be different. So typically in my clinic, I'm seeing 20 plus patients a day. So that's 20 plus personalities, 20 plus demands. In addition to taking care of labs and letters and prior authorizations from insurance and all the things. And I knew that's what was required in medicine, but I didn't realize how it would affect me emotionally. And especially of, again, dealing with 20 different personalities. So in the first year, I became really burnt out. And I noticed that I wasn't giving my kids my all because I didn't have anything left when I came home. I gave my everything to the job and to the patients, which they need the help. They need the compassion. But I realized I didn't have anything left from my kids, my husband, or myself. And I just kept praying. I was like, I can't continue to live in misery or feeling like, okay, I can't wait for the weekend every day. That's not a way to live. To me, I thought it would be more important to enjoy every day in some way, somehow. So I definitely relied on prayer, my relationship with God, 
and hanging out with friends <laughs> and figuring out how I wanted my clinic to look. Like if I had all the creative energy in the world and had unlimited resources, how would I want my clinic to look? And so I started drafting it and that gave me hope that, okay, wow, I can really set this clinic up. So eventually I am going to start my own practice where I won't have to see 20 plus patients still have time with me and be able to, again, develop those therapeutic relationships. And so that's what's been giving me the resiliency to deal with the burnout. I'm like, all right, this is temporary. I know where I'm going. So saying I'm okay with not staying in this place and I'm okay with starting something new so that I will be happy, the patients will be happy and my family will be happy. Yeah. I love that. And I think that applies to anything you're trying to pursue in life, right? Like for you to put your practice together, but also in motherhood, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't want it to feel like this, so I'm going to focus on where I want it to go. But so often when we, I'll include myself in this group because I've definitely been there, when you're in those moments where you're just overwhelmed, you maybe are burnt out, but you're not even acknowledging that you're burnt out, but you're overwhelmed in that moment. The planning of, okay, if I had all the resources, if I had all of this, you can't even get your brain there in that moment. So it makes it really difficult. I agree when I'm in a healthy state and I do put myself in that I call it unicorn brainstorming from some of my mentors. When you get there and you start dreaming and going, then you're like, I can do this. I can for sure do this. I have all the resources. I can do whatever. But if you can't get your brain there, what are some ways that you get yourself out of that? Maybe it's walking outside or you said hanging out with friends. How do you reset to get yourself back to like ground zero? Taking time off and giving myself space to be able to think, right? And therapy and speaking with a therapist because like you said, it is hard to get out of that cloud, shadow, fog, whatever you want to call it, while you're in it. And so, again, speaking to my husband, praying, exercise, like you said, and also speaking with a therapist for sure. And when I said hang out with friends, like those are the friends that help me to think through. They help me think through the difficulties I was having with burnout. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I think is so important for that, for working through burnout, working through your life, your careers, your ambitions, and your goals is networking and collaboration, remembering you don't have to do it all alone. So you said you have family local. That's like one example, right? And then beyond family, you find these other people that can support you. I would love to know from a professional standpoint, as well as a motherhood standpoint, how have you found some other people in your life to support the seasons that you're in? Whether it's other doctors that you're referring clients to or other doctors that you're just friends with or mentors, people supporting you in any of your ventures. How have you found some of those people? And has it started with you going first and raising your hand? Great question. A lot of my friends are college friends. So they've known me for a while and we're on the same track as far as professional and personal development. And it did take me speaking and letting them know because they wouldn't have known otherwise. And yeah, in reaching out, I've also reached out to a mentor, saw someone that I aspired to be or to have. Oh, okay, they have their own business and this is they look really happy. All right, let's talk about how to how I can get that as well or what they had to do. So definitely looking for people who you think who you aspire to be again and not envy, not jealousy or anything like that. But just, okay, I like. I like how happy they are, joyful, and they seem content in their life. 
how do they achieve that contentment? Yeah, looking up to that person. Let's break that down a little bit more because I think when you're in a field like medicine or really big business or things like that, it's you have easier access to mentors or it's a little bit more normalized. For the stay-at-home mom that's like a mentor, what type of mentor would I go and get? I agree that some of the most impactful people in my life currently are random people that I messaged on Instagram and was just like, hey, I would love to know how you got here. What are some of the ways that you've started those conversations with those people that it maybe felt a little awkward, but you also knew you needed to create that relationship? Right. There's There was someone that I saw who was really successful in business. And as you said, hey, are you interested in having a mentee? <laughs> and it was awkward, but I try to make it a funny awkward to break up the eyes. Hey, like I really, I see that you've talked to me before about this is what your life looks like and this is how you've been able to be successful. Are you okay with taking someone on and teaching? And that person said, yes. But I'd like, I made it a funny awkward. You want a mentee? Because I'm looking for a mentor. Yeah. And I love that. And just allowing yourself to have the conversation however it feels comfortable. And if it's just like a little play on that. Now, was that something that you invested in and paid for? Or did this person just provide their time in exchange for seeing a result? Exactly right. They provided their time, which I'm so grateful for. And not just time, but like, I feel like invested in me with time and like exposure and trying to get me out there to speak to other people, trying to make sure I get um, opportunities to showcase myself and help me to get out of my, not really get out of my introvert. Um, to, that's a word, but really to to open up and be okay with meeting new people and breaking through the social anxiety. Yeah. And was this someone that yeah. you had met in person before or were connected to? How would you recommend if you have someone that's, I don't have anyone like that in my life. So that one person that is going to find someone random, whether it's either on LinkedIn or Instagram or walking down the street, or the person that is, oh, I think I might know someone that I might message. Can you give a little advice to each of those people? Okay. So for the first or for the second person who might know someone, definitely reach out anyway, because it's okay. If you have a loose connection or association with that person, go ahead. The worst thing they can say is, no, I'm busy or no thanks. And then we're moving on. It's like, all right, do you have anyone else that you recommend? Or like then acts like for the references. And then for those who are, for the first person who doesn't know anyone, Facebook groups, Facebook groups, those mom <laughs> groups are helpful and posts like, all right, I'm shy and I really don't know anyone. Can anyone give guidance on this? And people are, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help to share their knowledge. Just go on to Facebook, just join a local group that you, that you find on Facebook. You might not have, you, this might be your first time joining and that's okay. If you need help and you're willing to ask for help, help will come to you. That I can promise. Yeah. And you just reminded me, too, that it's not always the person you're having that conversation with, right? Like you said, even if you know someone and they say no, say, do you know anyone else that I could maybe learn from? And it also reminded me to say that I could learn from afar. Maybe you could follow them on the platforms that they're active on. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're directly mentoring you as much as we want to get there. Until you find that person, it might just be following their content or email list. If they're posting on LinkedIn, normal people are posting really great things on Facebook and LinkedIn every day, even Twitter or Reddit, that aren't coaches or professional mentors. They're just sharing their experiences in a way that you can learn. I absolutely love that. 
What are some ways that you hope to embody these same ways of problem solving or due diligence, expanding your surroundings to your kids? Oh, can you rephrase the question? I don't think I understood. Yeah. What are some ways you've been so good at finding new mentors and new people in your life and really putting yourself into paths that you didn't see walked before you? Like you said, you were the first to graduate of your family. You looked for a mentor by putting yourself out there. You really have this resilience and problem-solving mentality. How do you hope to really build that within your children as well? What are some ways that you believe you've been able to do that for yourself that you hope to pass down to really ingrain that resilience and problem solving as a mom to your kids? Right. Okay. Gotcha. I believe recently one of the kids was like, oh, I want to tell her that her her shoes are look cute. And I was like, go ahead. Don't be scared to comment and talk to someone i was like i'm right here behind you for a stranger danger but i'm like right there with her and just showing her like it's okay to come up to someone and just say comment or ask a question but always in the context with me there and even with for her at school hey i have this issue with the friends did you talk with them no i didn't talk with them i was like they don't they won't know unless you say something and so telling the kids to make sure to speak up about how they're feeling, even if it seems silly, even if it's you hurt my feelings or I need help with this, making sure to go to the people that you need to speak to who you need to so that you can get to where you need to go and get the help that you need. Absolutely. I love that you're helping ingrain this like safety net. I'm here for you if you need me, but also you need to take the step and you need to use your voice and you need to allow yourself to say the things that you're thinking. That's so great. Absolutely love that. What are some ways that you and your partner prioritize each other and also balance all the moving parts that come with just life in general, motherhood, parenting, and then entrepreneurship, being a doctor, all on top of that? So we have what we call pillow space. So we'll, it's not as often as we want it to be, but we'll say, all right, we need some pillow space, pillow talk, I'm sorry, safe space and pillow talk. So we'll we'll stop what we're doing, go in the room and just talk and just say how we're feeling, what's been going on and be vulnerable with each other in our safe space. And we're trying to build in date night. It's really hard right now, but we're trying to look for a nanny. So outsourcing some of the duties so that we don't have to take up a lot of time in doing so that we can have time for other things and definitely communicating. Hey, I have a meeting at this time. I have this. I have that ahead of time so that the other person doesn't feel slighted. I feel like, okay, man, I have to keep, I have to pick up the grunt of everything else. But like, all right, this is what I have to do. And just understanding that this is temporary, like we're doing what we have to do in order to make a better life for ourselves. And I think that we've had to remind our ourselves and each other that, okay, this is temporary, that like this is not going to be for forever. We'll be able to spend more time, but we have to do what we have to do to get to where we need to go. Yeah. It's hard with little kids and all the different things that you're floating, but it sounds like just the conversations, that's a huge theme I'm hearing through everything you're saying is communicate, have the conversation, allow yourself to continue to move forward, even if that step isn't as big as you thought it would be, you're still moving forward. I absolutely love that. Break down to me, what does it mean to start opening your own practice? So you're going to be opening your own practice in September, which is right around the corner. 
What does that mean? What is unfolding? What advice do you have for others that may be interested? And even if it's not an actual medical practice, what are some things that you've learned that you're like, that was really hard for me to learn or I'm really in it right now? Share with us the process. Sure. So my plan is to start a direct primary care practice. So that is a primary care practice where patients pay a monthly membership fee to their doctor, like a retainer, in order for that doctor to be their personal doctor, right? Available by phone call, text, uh, video, in person, and even home visits to come by their home because some people aren't able to travel. And the reason that was birthed is that, like I said earlier, about how we're only spending a few minutes with each patient and some way, somehow, I'm supposed to know everything and be able to educate the patient so that they can advocate for themselves. It's really hard to do in five minutes. And so my dream is to build up a practice where patients have a great relationship with me. I have a great relationship with them for the sake of increasing their quality of life, not just with their physical health, but emotional, social, and mental health as well. And starting this practice, I have reached out to different clinics who or doc- different doctors who are doing the same model and said, hey, I would like, love to come to your clinic. Again, people I don't know, but people, again, I see who are who I aspire to be or aspire to have what they have. And so I reached out just by calling their number or emailing and said, hey, can I come by? Can you teach me how you started your clinic? Things that were hard for me are, is trying to understand marketing. And it's because as doctors, especially in the traditional healthcare model, you get a job at a clinic and then you just start have patients on your schedule. You didn't have to work for them. You didn't have to market yourself. You didn't have to say, hey, pick me. They just show up in your clinic because of insurance, right? Our insurance says, hey, you're covered. You are in with, within network. And so now I'm a new-ish physician, right, on the scene. I'm not necessarily taking insurance because I am looking at the patient, not necessarily what kind of insurance they have. And so I have to market myself, and and this is a relatively new model to the public, and so I have to explain that as well. I definitely had to get out of my way and saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm a doctor, I worked hard, and everyone should just come see me. No, they don't know me, which is fine, and that's understandable, right? You want to know who you're going to, see for your health. So just definitely understanding the importance of marketing and putting myself out there. But for everyone to see that I really am trying to help help everyone as much people as I can. Yeah. And again, just coming back to doing things differently, even if you don't know exactly how it's going to unfold, but allowing yourself to just take steps and work towards your dream, whatever that is. Have you had moments along the way, and maybe not yet, but you will, where your dream changes a little, it shifts a little, where you're like, oh, I thought I wanted to do it a little bit like this, but actually I'm learning that I maybe want to do this differently. And how do you allow yourself, if that's the case, I can see you nodding, so I think it is. If that's the case, how do you allow yourself to be okay with wanting to chase new micro dreams along the way? Oh, girl, yes. (laughs) It's funny, like you have a dream and you're like, I'm going for a full speed and something changes. You're like, Ugh. <sighs> this is not what I thought it was. So there were some services that I wanted to add to the practice that I thought would be important to draw people in. And I guess it's a good thing that I was like, all right, this is for sure. This is what I'm doing. And then like people were like, oh, you don't have to do this or I do have to add this. And I'm like, just wanted to do it this way. And just like, all right, if it, this is not going to kill my dream, right? The dream can still be alive. 
One thing I might have to consider is doing more telemedicine while we still look for a place, still look for an office. I really don't want to do that. I prefer to see, again, see patients in person, but that might be something. Or I might have to rent a space instead of leasing from a landlord and rent, rent a space from another physician or another renter. So that's, that is a little troubling, but it's also okay. It's like I have to remind myself I'm still going to have my dream. I'm still going to be able to do what I want to do. It's just going to look different than I thought. Yeah. And I think that's almost always the case with everything in life is you maybe get a portion of it that looks the way that you thought it was going to, but the other part maybe looks a little bit different. I think that we can all say that's happened at some point during motherhood and life in general, and especially chasing our dreams or businesses. And you know, often it ends up better than we expected. But in the moment, you're like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't where it's going. And it feels uncomfortable. I also love that you're saying, hey, I don't know how to do these things. Like, I don't really know about the marketing piece of it. I don't really know everything I need to know about getting this physical space. But you're learning. And I think so often people stop pursuing a dream too quickly because they realize they don't know how to do something. And they think that they're not equipped to then see see out that dream or fulfill that dream because they're like, oh, I'm just not meant to do this because I don't know. How have you pushed yourself through that? If you have this imposter syndrome is buzzword for that. If you have these moments where you're like, oh my gosh, am I really meant to do this? How do you keep persevering forward? I keep thinking I am providing a service that I have heard so many patients need. Like all the time they're like, oh man, I don't get to spend enough time with a doctor or I had to wait this long and I have to remind myself that it's not about me failing. It's about me actually providing a service for, for what people have told me that they need, that they wish they had. And that's that's enough fuel for me to keep going to go past the imposter syndrome because it does come in. It does come, oh, I'm not good enough or how is this going to happen? But when I get excited, like, all right, I am not just doing something random, <laughs> which is okay. Listen, it's okay. I am answering a need and trying to fulfill a need that so many people have told me, so many patients have told me. And for me, that's been a nice, a great fuel of anticipation and excitement to keep going. And as well as, like I said, my faith in that this is where I need to be for my family, this for where I need to be for myself, right? This is having those therapeutic relationships with people. Like this is what I went into medicine for. So this has to be, this has to work. <laughs> yeah. And imposter syndrome shows up for everyone. But before we end today, I definitely want to speak to the fact that being a woman of color in the medical field is something to be extremely proud of and something that we should see more of. And representation is important for the little girls that don't see a doctor that looks like them or for the moms that are looking to help incorporate that with their daughters or for just the mom themselves that needs that extra inspiration. I want you to talk to them real quick. Oh, okay. So I will talk to them. Hi. Hey, you are doing great. You are wonderful, right? It doesn't like that's just a matter of not a matter of opinion, right? If you look, you will find examples of people who look like me, who look like you, who are here chasing their dreams and doing wonderful. And so can you. There's, there is no limit except for what's in our mind, truly. There are a lot of things that we can overcome if we choose to overcome and think that they are, that they can be overcome. But, but yeah, so there are people like me. We are out here on Instagram, TikTok or whatever, <laughs> or just in the community helping people. 
and you can do it. If I listen, I know you've probably heard this from many people, but if I can do it, for sure you can do it. It has been so wonderful talking to you. Not only do I have insight as a mom on the medical things that I should be prioritizing, and I should definitely get into the family medicine doctor myself, but also just love how real you are, that you've accomplished so many amazing things, but you also talk about how you're in it and just really how you're navigating the day today. I'm so proud of you. I'm so inspired by you. I cannot wait to have you back a little bit next year to talk about how your practice is going how things are up and running. For those that are listening that are local, how can they get in contact with you? And those that are distant, how can they follow along on the internet? Sure. So my practice is Gateway Direct Health. It is based in Atlanta. So the website is gatewaydirecthelp.com. And you can join our email list to find out more information about the practice and get updates and exclusive offers. And for those who are who want to follow on social media, I am on Instagram and Facebook as at doctor.notmiss. So that's D-R dot N-O-T-M-S. And on TikTok, I'm at Gab Williams MD. Amazing. We will link all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Before you go today, we usually ask, what is a goal that you're working on? You're opening a practice. So that's a really big goal. So I realize that's a big focus right now. If there was one other thing that you are focusing on, maybe it's even just like on a personal aspect or in your family, what is a goal that you currently have? My goal is to ensure that my kids and my husband's, my relationship with them doesn't continue to, doesn't continue to be second. I want to prioritize them. And so even with with building the practice, I still want them to be my priority. That's hard to do because I have to do a lot of things, but I want to be more intentional to make sure that their priority kind of do it different than I did in med school and residency. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being here. Cannot wait to have you back and we will chat soon. You, your story and what you have to offer this world fills me up. I want to meet you. Join me on Instagram at this is Kelsey Smith and let's create a ripple effect for mamas with goals. Together is better.